Good morning. That was some highlights from yesterday's grand tour. What a great day to be driving around South Gippsland. Fantastic. Uh, let me add to Brock's welcome. It's great to have you here in Sale. Great to have Lock Sport and Yarn with us. Um, and like Brock mentioned, uh, for those who don't know, we've got two uh, satellite campuses in Yarram and Lock Sport that meet on the first and third Sundays of the month. Uh, Yarram, unlike Brock would just mention, Yarram's been going for uh, over a year and a half and Lock Sport is coming up to a year in November. Uh, and so some great things happening in those places. And so if you've got a Sunday morning and you think, oh, it'd be nice to get out, go for a drive, head down to Locksport or head down to Yarram on the first or third Sunday. Don't go on the second because, I mean, you'll just skip church that day and then God will be watching. <laughs> He'll still love you. Um, but, yeah, head down on the first and third Sundays, join them, encourage them, say good day, get to know them. Uh, a lot of them you'll probably recognise because they come here on the second and fourth Sundays, a lot of them, um, and the fifth one if there is a fifth. Uh, so it's a great, great chance to get out, especially over summer. Uh, Lock Sport, that'll be a great destination. Yarram, fantastic. A bit of fishing down there. Uh, before this morning, I have a special uh, child dedication to do this morning. We always like child dedications. And what a great day to do it on Father's Day. Uh, as we celebrate fathers and we celebrate um, what it means to be a father, and hopefully that is a, a special day for you, um, we're going to do a child dedication. So I'm going to invite Joris and Shireen and Vienmar to come up and join me on stage. Give them a hand. Make them feel welcome. Come up here and join me. Don't be shy. So we do child dedications, baby dedications here at SBC because it's, a, um, it's not a command in the Bible, but we see it as an example in the Bible. We see Jesus is dedicated. We see it uh, right back in Deuteronomy, the idea of uh, bringing our kids and bringing them up in the ways of the Lord. And so... Uh, this morning is more about Joris and Shireen than it is about Vienmar because it's about how they are going to raise uh, Vienmar up in the ways of the Lord and pray for him and encourage him and how we as a church are going to gather around this family um, and, and support and pray for them. Uh, and so I'm going to ask them a few questions uh, and then I'm going to ask, ask a question as well uh, to be praying for them. So um, this morning, do you receive Vienmar with gratitude as God's gift to you and your family? And do you commit to each other as parents, creating a stable environment in which Vienmar can mature? Will you make a covenant to strengthen your uh, marriage relationship? Do you commit to be parents of personal faith, recognising that Vienmar is more likely to follow God's path by the model that he first observes in you? And do you commit to lead a faith-filled home that honours God in all of your relationships and in the choices you make in spiritually growing your family? Awesome. I'm going to invite your church to stand, and even at Locksport and Yarram, if you want to stand with us. Do you, as members of this church family, commit to praying for, encouraging, supporting, supporting and partnering with this family as they raise Vienmar in the ways of the Lord? Awesome. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you so much for Vienmar. We thank you for Joris and for Shireen, and we thank you for their faith in you. We thank you for the beautiful gift that you've given them in Vienmar. We pray that uh, that he would grow up to know you and serve you and follow you. God, we thank you that you have uh, created his life and you've created a purpose for his life as well. And we pray that he would know that purpose, that he would know the grace that he has in you, the love that he has in you. 
And God, we just pray that as a church family, we might uh, surround this family and we might encourage them and pray for them and support them as they journey together with you and with us uh, and and raise Myanmar in the ways of the Lord. And so we commit them to you and we commit uh, Myanmar to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Here's a little certificate for you guys. You can give them a hand. It's Myanmar's birthday on, on this week, on the 7th, so... Happy birthday, Vienna. He's turning one. He looks pretty happy to be here, doesn't he? Awesome. You guys can take a seat. Thanks you so much. It's always a special uh, time to dedicate children and babies. And if you've got a child, maybe you want to dedicate your husband. We could probably look at doing that too. Um, no, I'm joking. Um, all right, we're going to be looking in John chapter 4 this morning. Uh, we are continuing our series, our crawl through the Gospel of John. Uh, very slowly we're making it through, and um, I haven't worked out how long it's going to take us, but considering we're probably going to get up to maybe chapter 5 or 6 by the end of the year. Yeah, it's taken a little bit longer than I thought. But anyway, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. So uh, if you're sick of John, come back in a few years. <laughs> maybe we'll do something longer next time or shorter. All right. John chapter 4, let's uh, start, where have I got, Um, Claire, it's verse 27, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to look at chapters, uh, verses 31 to 42, but I want to just, just remind you of where we're up to in the story, because we're talking about the Samaritan woman at the well, Uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman have had a bit of a conversation about water, about husbands, about spirit and truth, about worship, uh, a wide range of topics, and then the disciples arrive back uh, in after this conversation takes place. So let's pick it up from here. Just then, his disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. That was a big no-no of the time. Uh, And so they were just amazed at that fact. And yet no one said, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? And then the woman left her water jar, went into town, and told the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? Then they left town and made their way to him. And in the meantime... So while the woman's gone off and told the town, in the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Does this sound familiar? About the woman at the well? I've got water you don't know about. I've got food you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, could someone have brought him something to eat? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work, Jesus told them. Don't you say there are still four more months? Then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields, because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another one reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for, for others have labored, and you have benefited from their labor. Now, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said. When she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the saviour of the world. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning, and we thank you for its ability to change our lives and transform us. And God, we pray that it would do that this morning. 
God, we thank you for this special day. We lift up our, uh, the fathers to you this morning, and we just pray a special blessing on them. We thank you for their sacrifice and their, um, their work in our lives, and we thank you for the spiritual fathers of this family as well. We pray that we would be able to follow their example of faith and of love. Uh, but God, we give you thanks uh, for being our heavenly father as well and for the love that you give us and the example that you give us. God, we pray that you would be with us in these next few moments as we gather around your word. Help us to hear your voice and to obey it quickly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you got a favourite food? Anyone got a favourite food? Just yell out what your favourite food is. One, two, three. Lasagna. Lasagna, my wife. Makes a good lasagna. Any other favourite foods? Chocolate, I heard. Licorice. Chamin. Yum. Brownie, chicken parma. If you ask my kids what their favourite food is, sometimes they'll give you a meal, but often they'll give you like a snack, um, like a chocolate or a lolly or a biscuit. Um, have you ever had that moment where you're like hungry and you, you go to the fridge or you go to the pantry and you're like, I'm hungry, I'm really hungry, but I don't want a meal. I just want a snack. I just want to uh, eat biscuits or anyone like that? Just me, okay. My kids are like that. You can say they're... It's 12 o'clock in the day. Oh, I'm so hungry. I'm like, fantastic. It's lunchtime. Oh, I don't want lunch. I want whatever else they want, you know. Um, something healthy, never. But, you know, something from the, from the pantry, some sort of snack or something. Um, most of the time, though, when I get really hungry, uh, it affects my mood. Does this do it for you too? It's like, and you get a little bit... Do you get kinder? <laughs> no. You get less kind, less patient, uh, agitated, uh, angry at what's going on. Um, remember uh, two weeks ago when we started looking at this story of the woman at the well, I was sharing this idea that I really believe that when God's created the world and he's created different parts of how the world works, um, he's done it in a way not... Not because it's just like, oh, how should we do this? Let's just do it this way. And then, and then he looks back at this point and goes, now, how can I use what I've created to help people see? Uh, he doesn't use food uh, retrospectively to teach us something. Rather, he intentionally creates food in our digestive system and the way our body operates. so that Because he knows times like this are coming where Jesus is going to use it to teach. And so now he goes, aha, remember the way I've created your body? Remember how you need water every day? Remember how every organ uh, needs water? And you, uh, you need me like that. I am life. I am living water. I am what gives you spiritual life. And in the same way, he does that with food. He says, I've got food you don't know anything about. And he, and he launches into this. And so we're going to focus like we did with water. We're going to focus in a little bit on food, what it does for us, uh, how it helps us, uh, and why we need it. Because... Uh, so far, we've seen the woman needing water, and she has to keep going back to the well because we're thirsty. And we, and we talked about how there's things in our life that we keep going back to for satisfaction. We keep going back to for, for the love and the acceptance that we need in our life. And in the same way, we need food. Although you could argue weirdly, we need food less. Uh, you can live without water for maybe a week uh, if you're pretty healthy. You could live without food. If you had water, only water, you could live without food for, for months. 
Um, it's not advised, but you could do it. You could survive and you could live. And I think in the same way, like, there is things in our life that God is calling us to do that we could maybe survive without, but we miss out on so much if we don't do them. They are not necessarily the life that Jesus gives. They are not uh, sustaining in that sense, but they are essential to us. Because you see, water is life, but food is nutrition. Food brings about growth. It brings about energy. Uh, For those who are malnourished, here are some of the effects of a malnourished person. Uh, Stunted growth. Poor bone health. And post-traumatic stress or depression. Like, they're the three big things that happened to someone who's malnourished. And what does that tell us about the way God has created us? What does that tell us about how important it is for us to have the food that Jesus is talking about here? So we don't have stunted growth. So we don't have poor structures in our body, poor structures in our spirituality. Or we don't fall into depression or post-traumatic stress spiritually speaking. So I want to talk about uh, hunger, I want to talk about food, and I want to talk about growth this morning. So let's talk about hunger first, a desire for purpose and meaning. So the disciples come, they say, Rabbi, eat something. Jesus, being a typical Jesus, he says, I've got food, just a bit cryptic. I've got food you don't know nothing about. And the disciples go, someone, he's got Uber Eats, has someone else brought him something here? Um, I don't see anyone else. All I see is a well and a woman and just have this conversation. Maybe she had a, a, some snacks in her, in her bag. You know, when it comes to our world, there is a smorgasbord of options when it comes to meaning and purpose. But none of them last like what Jesus offers. People can find purpose in all sorts of things, purpose, uh, meaning for their life in all sorts of things. They can find meaning and purpose in family, in success, in helping others, in making money, in travelling, in sex, in creativity, in the arts. And all these things aren't bad things, are they? They are good things. They are things that God has created. They aren't bad things, but Jesus offers a food that isn't like these things. And what we can do as Christians is we can uh, find Jesus in the living water that he talks about, but then when it comes to purpose and meaning, our lives, we settle for a diet that leaves us malnourished. We settle for a spirituality that leaves us a little bit malnourished. We don't die. We don't cease to exist, but we are just malnourished in our Christian walk. We have stunted growth. We have poor bone health, poor structures, and we fall into a a depression of sorts. Stunted growth. Let's have a think about this one. We don't grow in our faith. I think for so many years, a lot of us grew up with this kind of view of discipleship. Our view of discipleship was knowing more of the Bible. And that's what we thought growth was. We grow as Christians by Bible study, by knowing more. And that's part of the equation, but it's not the whole equation, is it? Because what happens for people who just know more? If we just keep growing in our knowledge, we become just like the Pharisees in the New Testament. That's That's what they were like. They knew everything. They knew all the answers. But they didn't actually grow. To grow, we have to put into action. We have to know and we have to obey. Trust and obey. 
There's a song about that, isn't there? I won't go to sing it because I can't remember all the words. Trust and obey. You can look it up. But here's the idea. Growing comes from going. It's only when we understand and obey do we see growth. We need the water. We need Jesus, yes, but we need food to grow. We can survive without water. We are saved by, the, by Jesus and what he gives us, but our growth comes as we obey. Our life changes as we obey. James 2 puts it like this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but doesn't have works? Can such a faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food and one of you says, go in peace, stay warm, be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Good. Even the demons believe, and they shudder. Just like we need food and water in our physical bodies, we need to have Jesus and the purpose that he gives us, the obedience he's asking us for. It's why one of our values here as a church is this, ready as we are, growing as we go. God uses ordinary people to achieve extraordinary things. We are changing to become more like Jesus. Our lives are hungry for purpose and meaning. There is, uh, there is not many people that can live without purpose and meaning. You, you will find purpose and meaning in some part of your life. But Jesus is saying you will find the ultimate purpose and the ultimate meaning as you do the will of my Father as you put into action the things that you know, as you obey, and you will grow because of it. The other thing that happens is we're malnourished, is our, we've got poor bone health, so our structure is compromised. When we don't go, when we don't obey, uh, we miss out on the growth and we miss out on the structure, the strength of the body. Strength to our faith comes as we obey. Strength to our corporate body comes as we obey together. It's all good for us as a church to know all the answers, but if that's all we do and we don't obey the word of God, we don't put it into practice and we don't do what we're being asked to, we miss out on the strength of the body that Jesus promises. We are better together when everyone plays their part. When everyone obeys, the body is attractive, efficient and strong. And the other thing is we miss out on the stress and the depression of not having meaning and purpose. Ultimate meaning can only come from an eternal source. Everything else leaves us feeling a little bit empty and hollow. It's never quite enough because we were made for something otherworldly. We were made for a kingdom that lasts forever. We all have this hunger for desire and, for this, and this desire for meaning and for purpose. So then the food is obedience to the call of God. So Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And Jesus told them, don't you say there are still more four more months, then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. So the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. So the food here that Jesus is talking about is to do the will of the Father. And the ultimate will of the Father is to bring about salvation, to tell the good news. 
sometimes I think as Christians we can, uh, we can cop out a little bit with the will of God and, and obeying the will and say, well, it's just to serve people. It's to be kind. It's the fruits of the Spirit. And yes, it's all those things. But all those things are tools and vehicles so that people would come to know Jesus in a saving way. So they would come to the water of life. So they would come to the living well. This is why Jesus says so plainly, look at the fields. They are ready for harvest. They are gathering fruit for eternal life. And then what happens? The woman comes back from her village with all the people and they come into a saving relationship with Jesus. It couldn't be more clear. This is the food that Jesus is talking about. This is what Jesus has just been doing with the woman. Explaining to her salvation, explaining the gospel, the good news. This is the food that Jesus had been consuming when he had been telling the woman about who he was. And the woman comes back with a village who was saved. I think the problem is in our culture and in our time, um, the idea of evangelism is a bit of a... It's not a nice idea. People are a bit turned off by the idea that I can go and tell you what's true. I can go and tell you what I believe and that you should believe it too. Because we've been conditioned in a way to think that putting our belief system onto someone else is a bit rude, maybe a bit uncaring, a bit selfish, a bit arrogant. And it sure can be those things. Some people can do it in a way that's uh, all those things and more. You know, the the word evangelism comes from this uh, Greek word. I'm going to mess this up. Euangelion. You can look it up and see if you can pronounce it which literally means gospeling, gospeling, like caroling, but gospeling, <laughs> good newsing, because the word gospel means good news, telling people the good news, and we are all good newsers, we all bring about good news, even put the, put, uh, the Bible and Jesus aside for a second, we are all bringers of good news, if you, dis- if you discover something good, you share it. If you have a good meal at a restaurant, oh, you should try this restaurant. The, that burger is to die for. That, uh, it will change your life. Or this cleaning hack on TikTok, you know, this will change your life. Or this holiday destination, this will change your life. This experience will change your life. This movie, it will change your life. So no, what, why not with Jesus? Jesus, he will change your life. He will change your life. Why wouldn't you share the one who brings living water to your soul? It's one thing to be kind, it's one thing to be generous, but it's God's desire that you would share your faith, share your discovery of Jesus with those around you. And this is what the woman does. She goes back to her village and she shares her faith. She shares her newfound Jesus, what he has done, how he has changed her life. Is she an expert in the Bible? Is she an expert in explaining creation and sin and fall? And No. What does she do? She goes back and she says, Jesus told me everything I ever did. Like the thing that I was just ashamed of, now she's going and declaring it to everybody. It's, I mean, it it doesn't even make sense that what she shared to her village would help them come to know Jesus, does it? But that's the miracle working uh, Holy Spirit that partners with us as we share our faith. And this is the growth that we're talking about, growth, impacting the lives of those around you. So, like I said, the Samaritans come back um, because of what the woman testified. And they came to him and they, 
uh, asked him to stay, and he stayed two days, and many more believed because of what he said. And they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said, since we've heard from ourselves that this really is the saviour of the world. There was something authentic in this woman's approach. You remember um, when Jesus is saying earlier on, he's saying, uh, those who worship me must worship in spirit and in truth. And we talked about the idea that truth is both uh, the truth of God's word, that we need to come to him with right understanding and right knowledge. But truth is also um, the idea of authenticity, coming as you are. And this woman is exposed in who she is completely before Jesus. And Jesus shows her grace regardless. And then this woman continues to go and live this authentic life and speak authentically of who she is, what she's done, and what Jesus has done for her. I think sometimes in our idea of sharing our faith, evangelizing, is that we think that we can't be too authentic. We've got to say what Jesus would really want us to think and really want us to say, and not what we really think or what's really going on for us. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone to a friend and said, you know what, this is, Jesus is my saviour, or however, whatever language you want to use for that. But sometimes I'm not sure. Sometimes I've doubted it. Sometimes I'm not always convinced. And you might think, oh, I don't know if I could say that, because how's that going to help someone get saved? Jesus wants you to go authentically with what's really going on in your life, what's really your testimony just like this woman did. Go with your testimony, what Jesus has done for you. Not hiding yourself, but she went declaring her story of an encounter with grace and love with Jesus. Your experience with God and the grace that you've encountered is not meant to stop with you, but it's meant to go out from you. And you might think that your story isn't much. You might think, oh, I can't tell my story very well. But none of that is important. The important thing is that as you tell your story, people hear it and the Spirit uses it to bring about growth. This is the food that Jesus is talking about. Because the, the story that the woman told couldn't have been that couldn't have been that good. She just went and said, This is the this is the Savior. He told me everything I ever did. And then somehow Jesus uses that, the Holy Spirit uses that to bring about transformation. It reminds me of this passage in 1 Corinthians 3 where Paul's writing and, he's, and people are arguing about whether they follow Paul or whether they follow Apollos or, or what's going on. And then he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one and each will receive his own reward according to his own labour. For we are God's co-workers. You are God's field, God's building. In the harvest field, there is planting, there is watering, there is growing, and there is harvesting. I mean, there's probably more than that. But just go with me here. Planting, watering, growing, harvesting. Which parts are we responsible for? The planting, the watering, the harvesting. Which part is God responsible for? The growing. 
If you got a seed and you were responsible for the growing part of it, you had to make that grow. Like you had to work out how to extract the... Oh, I don't even, where would you start? You see, God has asked us to do such the, the, the simple parts. And he's doing the miracle. He's doing the, the thing that, I mean, it's amazing that you can put something in the ground and bury it, and then a, a tree, a hundred times its size, comes into existence. But this is how our faith works. This is how the food of what, what Jesus is talking about, doing the will of God, works. You might think, my story is nothing. It's like a seed. It's, it's nothing. It's, how's it supposed to be a tree? How's it supposed to work a miracle and help someone come to know Jesus? That's the point. You plant, you water, you harvest. God brings about the growth. He's the miracle worker. He's the one that uses that seed, uses that water, uses that encouragement, and helps someone come to faith in him. He says, I'll do the bit that you have no idea how to do. I'll use your planting, I'll use your watering, I'll use your harvesting to bring about a miracle. You tell people your story. You share the good news. And you can think to yourself, well, I can't make someone believe. I can't convince someone to follow Jesus. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Is that as you step out in faith, and as you share your faith, God will use that for his goodness and his glory. He will use that to bring people in to know him. He did that with the Samaritan woman. And he wants to do it with your life. And as you do that, not only will the lives of those around you be impacted, not only will the lives of those around you come in to know Jesus, but your faith will change. Your faith will grow. Your, your body will be built up. The body of Christ will be built up. You'll be strengthened in your faith. Growing comes from going. The growing happens for both the people around you and yourself. So I'm going to ask the team to come back up. And we're going to worship one more time. I just want to ask you this. What do you have? What is it in your life that God has done for you? What do you know about God? What do you know about Jesus? And how can you share it? Who can you share it with? Who is someone that you could tell? Who is someone you could share it with? Because I believe there's, there's people in our lives that God is wanting to say, would you share it with that person? Would you share your faith, uh, what you've experienced, what you know with that person? Would you be intentional about it? The woman at the well was so intentional about leaving her jar and going back into town. It wasn't like an accidental, like, oh, I wonder when there's an opportunity. It was an intentional decision she made. I'm leaving this behind and I'm going to my village. I'm going back to my town. I'm telling them about what I've done, what I've experienced. Let's stand together and let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you give us the opportunity to partner with you, to be co-workers with your Holy Spirit. And we pray that this morning that we might step out in faith and obey the things that you've called us to. God, that we wouldn't settle for the snacks of this world that don't satisfy the hunger that we have for, for purpose and for meaning that comes from obeying you. 
And I, God, I pray that you would give us the faith, like this woman at the well, to step out and to do the things you've called us to do, to share what we know and to share what we have. And God, that you are the miracle worker. You bring about the growth. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the grace in our life, the love that you have for us, the truth that you give us. And God, we pray that you would help us to be good news bringers to all those around us. God, even now as we're praying and worshipping during this song, Lord, I pray you'll bring people to mind and, and, and words to say, things to share. God, that we will be quick to obey. God, we just thank you for these moments and we just pray that you would just speak to our hearts now as we worship. In Jesus' name.